0: This is the EWN Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action to create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in this tech field starts right now. This week in our Women in Tech segment, I will be talking with Kate Lister. Kate is a recognized thought leader on trends that are changing the who, what, when, where, and how of work. She is president of Global Workplace Analytics, a research-based consulting firm that has been helping public and private sector employers optimize the triple bottom line outcomes of remote and other workplace strategies for more than a decade. Kate wrote the U.S. chapter of a multi-country study on telework, that was published by Edward Elgar last year, and five other business books. Her perspectives on how COVID-19 will change the way people work have been featured in the New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, Newsweek, and dozens of other news outlets. Hi Kate, welcome to the show. Hi Jennifer. So you're a really recognized thought leader on trends that are changing the who, what, when, where, and how of work. Tell me a bit about your career as president of Global Workplace Analytics. How did you get started?
0: Well, that's a very long story, but I'll start, I'll start at the beginning, skip the whole middle, and get to the <laughs> end. <laughs> I, uh, I was started out as a banker and venture capitalist. And so that has kind of seeded everything I do uh, in terms of thinking about the bottom line impact. So I've run a number of businesses from home over the years, and I got interested in the benefits of working from home from that experience. Mm-hmm. I went to, uh, well, I wrote a couple of books for Wiley, boring business books on finance. Uh, several years, maybe 15 years prior, and went to them with the idea of writing a business book on the benefits of working from home. And they said, no, I don't think that's going to be a very interesting title. How about writing a consumer title? So we wound up writing uh, Undressed for Success, The Naked Truth About Making Money at Home. (laughs) Mm. And that was something like 15 years ago. But it brought out the banker in me, and and what I saw from all the research is that nobody had made the business case. Nobody had made the the bottom-line C-suite kind of case for why is this a good thing, and so that's what I set out to
1: do. That is really, really insightful, and you were way before your time. Yes, Um. that's true. Um, you know, I too um have taken my company completely remotely um and actually manage and run my company from Arizona when we are headquartered in Chicago, but started that a while ago and now with COVID and all the new stuff mm. about working from home, it seems like such a novel idea, but you know, we were thought leaders in that area. Yeah, there you go. Good for you. <laughs> so you've been helping public and private sector employers really optimize and see bottom-line outcomes, um, triple bottom-line outcomes uh, in workplace strategies for over a decade. Can you tell me a little more about how you accomplish these amazing results? Well, the amazing results don't come all the time,
0: I have to admit. The amazing results come when organizations see this as a strategic practice mm-hmm. initiative rather than tactical. So for most organizations, they come at this as the problem, uh, the solution to the problem du jour. <laughs> so if it's the recession, then it's a re- it's a way to save money. If it's uh, after the recession, attracting and retaining talent. After a big snowstorm, it's continuity of operation. After a pandemic, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. continuity of operations. But I think one of the things that this experience has exposed is that because it came out of silos, because it was not holistic, the processes and the tools and the practices were not there to support it on a broad scale. So, I mean, if there's a silver lining here, I think that it now has, has brought the seat suite into the conversation, and it will be a top-down approach that will bring in all of those – all of the HR, IT – corporate real estate, sustainability, marketing, risk management, finance. Those are those are the the core parts of the organization that need to be involved in this kind of transition to really get the the the, the best of the people planet and profit outcomes.
1: Yeah, I think you're so right about it being strategic rather than a reactive approach. Um, when we decided to go all remote, it was very strategic in the sense that we wanted to grow the number of students that we could have in a class, our fill rates. And by opening up that class virtually to the country, and in some cases globally, we were able to get, you know, some amazing results, like you said. Um, So strategic is very important. I, I love that you focus on that.
0: And having the goal, and it's not going to be the same for every organization. And so your goal was, as you said, get, you know, opening it up, opening it up to more students. Mm-hmm. But it's important that organizations understand their own DNA and launch it for their own reasons, and measure the results based on whatever their goals were
1: to begin with. Right. So in these unprecedented times, remote work is becoming—you know—we don't like to say this—new normal. <laughs> but can you share what you're finding on how employers are managing this?
0: Surprisingly well. Uh, we launched a uh, global work from home experience survey uh, about a month ago. It's going to close in a few days, and we've uh, collected uh, thousands of responses from all over the world. And one of the things that we're we're looking at is exactly that how have they fared what has been the experience and of course this topic has been very popular for the for the last couple of weeks so we've we've uh, been doing a lot of webinars some of them with you know thousands of people so we can do sort of instant polls and sort of uh, get a, a sense of how things are going you know as i said the the cracks were there we nobody knows who to turn to for it help for understanding how to start the webinar for how you can collaborate and share documents online for who pays for home technology it's just for all the myriad of questions that people have had over the last few weeks if we had been working with a company that we would have already worked through all of those issues and had formal policies and practices in place
1: mm-hmm.
0: it seems like Companies have kind of let this happen, let remote work happen, rather than made it happen. In fact, we call it the 7% privilege because 70% of companies say they offer it, but only 7% offer it to all or most of their employees. Mm -hmm. And so I think coming out of this, we will have learned that uh, a lot more people than we thought were able to work from home can. And managers will have learned that it's not as
1: scary as they thought. (laughs) Right. And and you mentioned some really interesting facts that I'm sure, you know, when you do it in a reactive mode, you don't think about like, you know, who's going to pay for this work from home uh, technology, the Internet, the, you know, how are the phones going to be moved over? All of those types of things is huge. And to do it overnight is very, very tough. Exactly. So what are some of the advantages or, and disadvantages of remote work? What do you, what do you feel are you know some of the great things and then some of the areas that maybe organizations lose out on or is a, a disadvantage to the employee? Sure. Well, first of all, people like
0: to make this conversation polar. You're either going to be all remote or all in the office.
1: Mm-hmm. And the
0: reality is that for most companies, the sweet spot is in two to three days a week. Mm-hmm. And that gives the the people their t- their collaborative time with their colleagues in the office and out of the office, sort of their concentrative time. And Entire buildings are being renovated to deal with the fact that people are so mobile, and to make the places that that they the the, the office places a place they want to go, and a place that actually supports the kind of work that's being done there. You know, all mm-hmm. over the world, we show that. Uh, offices are occupied less than 50 percent of the time. It's a huge waste of real estate. So why don't we make that real estate work for the kind of work that's being done there? But in terms of the the advantages, employers, uh, we have a a calculator uh, that's free on our website uh, that allows companies to calculate the triple bottom line impact. Uh, It shows that a typical company can save about $11,000 per half-time telecommuter per year, and that's the wow. result of being able to reduce real estate costs, increase productivity. Uh, we know that productivity goes up with people working from home. There's fewer distractions. They give back a lot of the time they would have otherwise spent commuting. It improves attraction and retention and improves disaster preparedness. So all of those add up to about eleven thousand dollars a year, based on we use a, a lot of research to come up, up with that number. It yeah, also right. uh, results in higher engagement and less stress. On the disadvantaged side for the employer, uh, it, it, there's still an issue of a cultural disconnect, especially for companies that have been doing this for you know ten years or so. They still need to find a way to re- replicate that water cooler. Mm -hmm. or perhaps improve it. (laughs) And, and we don't quite have that yet. So, you know, there's this esprit de corps that is, is sometimes missing. Uh, Companies are are doing unique things, you know, having birthday parties and virtual and um, spending intentionally spending the first 10 minutes of a meeting talking about personal things. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think that bringing people into our homes is going to increase our humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, there's a absence of empathy in the world, but when you see your colleagues sitting there and, you know, their dog in their lap or their child in their lap, uh, it, it really, it, it makes them more human. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that may, may be another one of those silver linings. Uh, there's I was also thinking... employee go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. There's also for employees that they say the three of their most precious commodities, time, money, and their sanity. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Working a half-time at home saves a typical commuter 11 days a year. So 11, it's like getting 11 extra vacation days a year. That's how much time they save not playing in traffic. Uh, They typically save between $2,500 and $4,000 in transportation costs and meals purchased out. And even more if, if they are doing it very frequently and they can move to a less expensive area. And we've seen a trend toward this. And then in the sanity side, it it, it reduces stress. It, it improves work-life conflict, and it allows you to both make a living and have a life. On the downside, loneliness. Uh, for some people, I mean, I'm an, I'm an introvert, so I, I just I love this. <laughs> this <laughs> is just wonderful for me. Uh, but it's not for everyone. Uh, about 20% of the population says they don't want to do it, and that may be because they don't have the self-discipline. Maybe they don't have the space. Maybe they don't want to be at home. <laughs> they want to. They want to be in places where you know people talk in full sentences. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know that's sort of the, sort of the downside there. But in, on balance, the, the upside comes through very clearly, both for the employer and the employee, and for the environment. There's just no simpler, easier, and more popular way to reduce a company's car- carbon footprint than by reducing commuter travel. And I think another silver lining in this experience is that we, by goodness, can see it. You know, mm-hmm. we, can, we can see that we are making a difference uh, in the environment.
1: Yeah, we see now with just less people out, what a difference uh, there is in pollution of the air. And our environment is so much cleaner. So very, very true. And how quickly I meant- that happened. Mhm. Mhm. I'm really intrigued by your stats because you've done a lot of research on this and um, you know, we moved to remote many years ago but really did it strategically from a student and business perspective, but really uh realized very quickly that there was a work-life balance for our employees Uh, They worked harder. They were more productive. Mm -hmm. It seemed like they're online more, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. after hours. And it really, really has proved to be very, very fruitful for us. Um, So now that people are working from home, I think there's a lot more challenges with COVID-19, with not only working from home, but now they have kids at home, they have to homeschool them, help them with their work. They have to share bandwidth uh, with them, which, you know, is is tough. They have their spouses home also working from home. Um, so it is a little more challenging, but what is your vision of remote work post-COVID? What do you think uh, organizations are going to do to prepare employees to go back to work? Or do you think most of them will come back into the office? Or are you seeing a portion of them would really embrace having them work from home in a better environment. Yeah. I mean, to your point, this has not been an ideal experiment, Mm -hmm. uh,
0: both in terms of preparedness and in terms of the home environment. But again, in the polling that we're seeing, uh, that we're doing and uh, early results in the survey shows that overwhelming number of people who have never done it before want to continue doing it. Mm -hmm. And so I predict that By the end of 2021, we're going to see about 30% of the population working from home Mm. multiple days per week. And that's great. that's, the theoretical maximum, if you will, is something like 56% that we've calculated. So you know, it assumes some people are going to go back, but we're seeing that people want to, want to do it one, two, three days a week for the most part. So we've got employees driving it, the desire for it. We've got managers who have done it now and are less afraid of the, the productivity loss. In fact, one of the downsides of working from home is overworking.
2: And they're finding
0: that they've got to tell people to turn it off at three in the morning or, or whatever. They're responding because <laughs> it's so easy to walk
1: over to your desk, right, as is, you're thinking of something. Yeah, yeah.
0: I had a client that you know told me he he goes out of the house at the end of the day, gets in the car, and drives around the block to uh, to sort of show himself that okay, that that part of my day is over.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I also think that you know the C-suite is going to look at this these big office buildings that have been sitting there vacant and the fact that their businesses are continuing to run uh, and uh, particularly as we approach an economic downturn you know think about do we really need those costs uh, do we really need the business travel do we really need to send somebody across the country or across the world to have a business meeting uh, or to go to a convention so I think a lot of that is going to change. And I think investors are going to push it because the uh, you know they, a lot of companies got caught with their pants down, mm-hmm. uh, and they're not going to. This is going to happen again, and investors are going to be looking. And just as they look to a company's numbers, they're going to be looking to their disaster preparedness much more closely. And then the sustainability issue. You know, we've seen what it can do, and I, I think it's going to bring new awareness to that potential.
1: Very interesting. Yeah. And I think investors are definitely going to see over the next months that things are possible. You're able to have continuity of business and work from home and still be very productive. That I think there will be a shift as to the mindset, because there there was a huge mindset. I have a lot of people ask me every day. You know, how do you do it? Aren't you Mm -hmm. worried that your employees are working? Aren't you worried? You know, we have tools that we are always talking to each other. We see status. We know people uh, have deadlines. They don't meet their deadlines on a repeated basis. They're going to do that in the office or at home. It doesn't matter. Exactly. (laughs) Do you find that as well? Oh, absolutely.
0: Your slacker at, at, at the office is not going to be any more productive at home.
1: And <laughs> In some ways, you know, managing by results kind of exposes the slackers. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, um, you know, with this happening so rapidly, uh, can you speak to the technical readiness in the workplace? What are you finding?
0: Yeah, it's definitely not there.
1: Mm-hmm. Not ready for prime time, shall
0: we say. Mm-hmm. You know, people you are know, both, they need the tools, they also need the training in how to use the tools. So just just getting people used to using Zoom or GoToMeeting mm-hmm. uh, or collaborating on a Word document or a Google Doc or an Adobe Doc and doing it in real time and you're bringing the document up and taking it back down. Mm-hmm. Uh, some companies weren't prepared uh, in terms of the the virtual private networks. that they, they weren't allocated enough seats. Mm-hmm. and so suddenly you know you go from 500 to 1500 people working at home they couldn't accommodate it right uh yeah. help desk you know what what are people supposed to do when they can't get it to work or when their 3 year old just dumped their cup of orange juice <laughs> on their on their laptop um so i mean i think it really exposed a lot of those things again things that that in a in an orderly transition we would have thought about uh, we we would have uh, prepared for in advance there was a CFO pulse survey done by PricewaterhouseCoopers that uh, they do it every two weeks. And the most recent ones showed that about half of CFOs say that they were not prepared for uh, t- the technology side of working remotely. And as a result, it would, their earnings would suffer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, I think going, going back to work, what we're going to see is, is a lot more formalization.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, kind of sorting out of who wants to, who can, who should, um, and then doing the the kind of transitioning that they they should have done to begin with.
1: Yeah, it is tough to uh, react to technical readiness. And, you know, obviously we're in training, and we have found in the last couple weeks uh, our customers are just scrambling to get a remote collaborative platform in place. And so Microsoft has seen uh, their product teams um, just skyrocket in usage and sales and the number of minutes on that platform is huge right now. But again, people need to learn how to use it in order to adopt it. So we're doing a lot of training around just getting them productive. And so, yeah. yeah, and that's what, when you react. I might tap into that. You, yeah, you, you should <laughs> <laughs> at time. Um time. It, it, you know, it's just that reactive mode uh, doesn't allow you to plan for it. So, you know, in your business, you're really working with the customers to get those things ironed out way before they need it. <laughs> well, you know, and the funny thing is they need it regardless of whether people are working from home. Because right.
0: the reality is is whether we're nine floors, nine miles or nine time zones away,
1: we're probably working remotely from our colleagues mhm- and now being able to work from anywhere even makes you more productive, I think you know i it's not it's not really uh something to be proud of, but you know I can work for my vacation, you know. Yeah. I can yeah. go oh, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> I, I can keep an eye and a pulse on things and I can respond if somebody really needs me, right? And that's good and bad. I know there's that, you know, uh, you gotta shut off technology at some point. But um you know, the way our world is with technology today, it allows us, it gives us the ability to work from anywhere, you know, which really helps um, being more productive, like you said. Yes, absolutely. And I think we have a long way to go. I think that I, I
0: was on a call with a venture capitalist early this morning talking about what isn't working, where, where should we be thinking about investing money and in mm-hmm. supporting remote work?
1: Yeah, I think the technical readiness, the training for the adoption is huge. Um, So, you know, talking about vacation and working, I'm sure, you know, your position as president of GWA is very, very demanding. So tell me if you have some tips for our listeners uh, to find balance between work and family and personal time. Because like you said, sometimes you can work extra hours when you're working from home. So how do you kind of balance? What are some tips and tricks around that? Well, I'm probably not the best person to answer this question. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm
0: not be, either. <laughs> you know, I'll be sitting on a beach <laughs> looking at <laughs> our laptops or our, our phones. Right. So, you know, but but I think one of the things that are common between us is that if you find something you enjoy doing, you'll never dread a Monday. Right. And so yeah, I'm passionate about what I do. I enjoy it. When I have time off, I, I sort of get done having time off pretty quickly. Uh, I enjoy working. Um, so, I, you know, I think that that's one tip that I would offer. Uh, another is turn it off at the end of the day. For me, that means, you know, at 6 o'clock, I close the door to the office You know, fortunately I have a, a door that I can close and I don't go check my email at seven and eight and nine. Now, For some people, the, the benefit of, of working remotely or working flexibly is that they can work when, whenever they want. So, you know, there are people that are best at three in the morning. It's not me, but there needs to be an understanding with team members that just because somebody emails me at three in the morning doesn't mean they expect uh, a response. And so, you know, we're all different, and and I think that we all need to understand how we best work because, if, at the end of the day, that's what matters. I mean, whatever works for me is going to make me the best and most productive that I can possibly be.
1: Mm-hmm. I always said, um, you know, in the old days, I used to try to balance by saying, okay, work is eight to five, and then home is. Five to nine, then back to work, and you know whatever, and I realized very quickly that that's not a great way for me. uh The blended approach really works mm-hmm. well for me, you know because and then I explain it really for my employees, you know they might have a doctor's appointment in the middle of the day, so you can't really say this time is just for work and this time is just for home anymore. There is this blend and flexibility. But I think your um, advice: love what you do. If you love what you do, you will be drawn back to it, you know, and be happy doing it. So I think that's mm-hmm. really important. And I like I like the idea that you said to stop. You need a break between. Cycles, I would say. So, you know, at six Mm. o'clock, if you close your door, now you have um, some space in your mind to think about other things. You might even still think about a new creative idea for work while you're watching the news or watching a a movie, but it just gives you that break away from your desk and to clear your mind and then to work as best you can, whatever works for you to kind of find that rhythm um, to really create that balance. I think that's really, really great advice. It's really important for me too, to have hobbies that take me
0: out of the house because mm-hmm. if I'm here, I really am tempted to work. So um, I'm an avid gardener and I volunteer at an animal shelter. And between the two of those, it's it's, it's enough to get me out of the house and let me see some sunshine.
1: That's great. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, you know, our listeners, um, are always looking for additional lessons learned or leadership skills, things that you've learned in your career, what can you share to help them grow and learn? Be human Mm -hmm. Uh, and let other people be
0: human. Something like 70% of people say they can't be themselves at work. Well, I mean who else do they have right <laughs> uh you know that, that's an awful lot of effort that you've got to put into not being you uh and so you know as i said before i think being able to see people in their home circumstances may give us new insights and new empathy for the the whole person but you you sort of you sort of need to to do it first you know show them your humanity uh, before okay.
1: they're going to show theirs I like that being authentic, really being you, because there's only one you, right?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You're like no one else. And if you're authentic and people gravitate to that, I think people really um, appreciate that authenticity and humility and, you know, like you said, being more vulnerable, um In your home environment, you are a little more relaxed. you have like you said the dog the the kids, whatever you become mm-hmm. a real person, so I love that that's that's really great um all right in closing what what comments do you have or advice uh for women that might be uh looking to advance their careers that want to take it to that next level and maybe just not you know having enough confidence to do it? What kind of advice would you give them? Fake it till you make it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) You know,
0: I just, you know, I I think that, and I don't mean to generalize, but I think in general, if men don't know what they're doing, they just act like they do and get it done. When women don't know what they're doing, they they say, oh, I don't know how to do that. Or, you know, no, you wouldn't want to hire me because I don't have that skill. Or (laughs) versus just, you know, figure it out it takes, I think it took me until I was about 50 to get to this point that, you know, I just trust myself that I do have the skills to, to take on new things. And even if it's something that I haven't done before, I can trust myself that I'll figure it out. But, you know, it's,
1: yeah, yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Yep. I mean, speaking just, just terrified me, terrified me for most of my life. And I just kept pushing myself to do it and faking it. And eventually it, it's not nearly as terrifying now. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. No, that's amazing. You have to push yourself, take yourself out of your comfort zone because that's when you grow. If you're comfortable, you're not growing. So I think that's great advice to fake it until you make it because you have to train yourself to get to that next level. And what better way to do it to train yourself than doing it, right? Exactly. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, this was so... Fascinating, so interesting. You have a wealth of knowledge and this is such a great topic for the times we're in as businesses are starting to look at, you know, what they can do better in the remote world to have their employees more productive and have a better work-life balance. This will sure help them understand that there's so much value to that. So, thank you so much Kate. I appreciate it. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And hope to have you on a show again soon. Or maybe I'll see you on the beach. There you go, with our computers. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Jennifer, great to talk to you, too. Same here. Thank you, Kate. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you for listening. And please take a minute to subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. See you next week.
2: As your organization continues to embrace and adopt new technologies, does your team have the skills required to make the most of your investments? Directions Training offers IT professional and end-user training for the most popular solutions today, including Microsoft 365, Azure, AWS, Cisco, Citrix, VMware, and much more. Our flexible delivery methods and full customized offerings make sure that you get the training you need just the way you need it. In person, virtual, on demand, or through a blended approach. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com for more information today. Thanks for listening to Technology in the Right Direction, your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world. To download this week's show or listen to past shows, visit Directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Past shows are also available at EWNpodcastNetwork.com, as well as through iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. To find out how to be a guest on the show, visit Directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, we hope that technology takes your business in the right direction.
0: Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast.